You might've got another muffin out of that. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been great to know in the moment, but uh, you know. Welcome to Stand Up Pedal Action. Welcome everyone to Stand Up Pedal Action. Today in the Blanket Fort, we are honored. We have one of mountain biking's rising stars and former Xterra world champion right here with us, Robbie Day in the studio. (laughs) Another of these episodes that is going to make you feel terrible about what you've done with your life if you're over the age of, say, 22, because (laughs) we yet again have somebody who has done more before the age of 20 than most of us will ever do in our lives. It's pretty exciting. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Uh, just a little bit to explain what, what things you've been through so far. Um, we don't have a whole list. I'm not going to list everything. Uh, you've, you have quite a number of accomplishments under your belt already and have experienced the podium quite a few times. Thank you. Uh, I, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you're currently on the USA national team. Yes. For you, 23. Yes. Right? Yeah. That was a big thing this year. Yeah. Big new thing. Yeah. Congratulations exciting, on that yeah. one. I was very excited when I heard that. And it was very. Yeah. And you got and some fun just... teammates to. Oh, yeah. To mess we, around we've with got too. a great team going on of the U23s. Me, Braden Riley, who were both on previously, and Bjorn, who's another great one. I was going to say, and these are all guys you've been riding with for a while when you were on Bear Development Team. Yeah, we were all teammates last year, and now me and, only me and Braden are teammates this year. Riley moved mm-hmm. on to Trek Factory Racing, and uh, Bjorn is over in Europe with a different Trek Development Team. But we're all still teammates, more or less, on the national team now. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah, that's excellent. Is that a fun rivalry? Like, do you guys... Yeah. <laughs> you guys push each other in oh, healthy ways? Yeah, we push each other. Uh-huh. Um, they, there's distinctive memories of a lot of races between me and Riley where we've, we've hammered each other very bad. (laughs) (laughs) We were going to touch on that at some point, maybe in the show a little bit about some of these times you guys have gone head to head, but before we get to that, to continue with the accolades. Yeah. So you just in the last six months, I want to say maybe a little bit longer, you've been to Italy, Switzerland, and Puerto Rico, not to mention all over the U S for racing. What highlight would you say of those you want to dive into? I think, I think it would be Italy, World Championships at Italy in Val de Sol. Mm-hmm. That would have been, I think that would be the highlight of all my races so far. Yeah, talk us through that one. Yeah, um, that was my first U23 year. I was not expecting to make it to World Champs. I was thinking, oh, it'd be great. I can maybe get top five at Nationals when I started the season before I'd done any races and then... I got going with the races. I got, I started realizing where I was sitting. U23 came out second at nationals. And then, uh, I just kept going. And after second at nationals, I was like, oh, wait, I'm going to have to figure out worlds. Are they going to take me? Are they going to figure, I had to figure that out. And then ended up taking three, uh, men U23s and I got to go. And it was one of the most fun races I've had in my life. Um, it was my second time at worlds. I went Previously, as a junior in uh, 20, 2019 in Mount St. Anne. Um, so I, I kind of had an idea of like, oh, this is going to be really hard. This isn't going to be a walk in the park. It's not going to be like a U.S. race. Um, and we got there. And the course, it was a lot of fun going around. It was 
um, I actually decided to bring a one of a, a bigger travel bike than uh, everyone else was on. Ooh. I brought like a 115, 120 bike just to handle the course, and it was it was very great um, on it. And that that just says how or that says how uh, scary the course was. Like I was gonna say, was, anybody in chunky. your anybody in your end of the biking world, even that's bringing five or ten millimeters more of travel or twenty, that speaks volumes. Yeah, for exactly. how nasty that's it gonna was, be. It was chunky. There was just rock steps you pretty much had to ride down, jumps like you had to almost do a nose pivot a couple times in the course. It's <laughs> it very awkward. And then once you got to racing it, there was people trying to inside line you off the nose pivot line. And then you were having to come back at them and inside line them off a jump in order to get the spot back. Oh my gosh. Lots of fun though. It was oh. a great crowd too. Yeah. Yeah. Great teammates. When Riley and Braden were here uh, earlier in the year and we talked to them, they both expressed how crazy it was to go from US to Europe when it comes to the level of riders, the aggressiveness, the competition. You feel the same way? Yes. Yeah. Um, they're, they're excellent starters, way better than me. And it's those starts terrify me uh at worlds um i think i got i had almost a dead last call up uh we got over there and we figured out wait hold on none of the points we got in the u.s actually count because of the covid rule where they're only counting the world cup points and like world championships the previous year oh shady i mean it wasn't shady we just hadn't realized it and we got told it as we were flying there by a uci official oh and so (laughs) it was a little bit of a oh god this is going to be rough but um I lined up almost like second to last row, and then um, I uh, we got going, and uh, I'd ma- made my way up about like twenty positions or so, and then just got pushed off the trail, and I was uh dead last in the race. Whoa. So I was figured only only way to go up is go up. Yeah, uh, there's, there's only forward, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't go any back further. So might as well go as hard as possible, and then like. Halfway through, I was coming through the start finish where they told you what your place was. I could see I made it into top 40 and I was super happy and just kept working up from there. Ended up 37th. It was great. There was something like 100 starters. I was going to say, from dead last at one point. That's great. Yeah, I was was happy with it. It was was a very fun race. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of hard work. Passing doesn't seem real simple in those races. It it was a pretty good course for passing, surprisingly. Um, most of the climbs were kind of a little bit wide enough where you could pass, or they had like a two-line kind of system where you could kind of force someone to the outside line if you were smart or uh, just pass them super simply. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was pretty power-based or pretty power-to-weight-based. Like, but it's very steep. So that helped me a lot, but well, I, it was a lot I, of fun. I do recall... You're and being a fearsome climber. <laughs> yeah, that that is, I'd say it's definitely one of my strong suits. I remember um, first time we met in 2019 at the Talent ID camp mm-hmm. here in, in, in the Springs. Mm-hmm. There was no climbing KOM safe in town. <laughs> and and you, were, you were after him. I remember you wanted high drive real bad. I, I got high drive that, that, that camp. Was, yeah. Yeah, you should, you that was it. painful. Um, sadly, you, I I lost it a couple a year later, I think, but I still don't have it. But do you remember what you got it at? Seventeen thirty, maybe. 
and this for anybody who doesn't know if you can do that climb in a half an hour for as a mere mortal you're probably doing okay anything under that you're really moving so 17 minutes is nuts and you you dethroned our local russell finsterwald Ooh. Ooh, uh, he he came back and took it though yeah. Oh, okay yeah. yeah he wasn't gonna let that stand for too long well maybe maybe we'll see you back up there and a little while <laughs> maybe it's a little too snowy right now i was thinking about doing it before i, I leave but oh it'll, it'll be, be time it'll yeah, be time plenty of time well i remember from that point on i mean it was clear that you had uh, a strong passion for riding and the ability to back it up and you came back to the springs in 2020 for the apex and your downhill skill had caught up with your uphill skill and you crushed it and got second place Russell, yeah, not by much though. Yeah, yeah, it was a few minutes, and then it was only twenty seconds back to third from me. But hey, you second, don't take second a second on the start yeah. list or on the finish list doesn't matter. Times don't. Times are yep the third thing people look at. Absolutely, that was a stacked field too. All right, and that says something when you got guys like Russell who've been riding these exact trails for years, and it sounds like you are relatively new to cycling in general. You weren't the kid that was on a bike at two. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, it wasn't a big thing. Um, I th- I actually started racing my, uh, or really kind of intensely riding like eighth grade or kind of freshman year. That's when I really started racing mountain bikes. But and what, what got you started in that? Was that like a, it was hey, we'll sc- just do it once for fun or what? It was actually a uh, high school racing. Okay. Um, I had, I'd been doing uh, triathlons mm-hmm. like my dad. Um, we'd, he, we'd, we'd be doing uh, off-road Xterra triathlons. Um, and I had kind of uh, been doing swimming for a long time before then. So that kind of is how triathlons got started. Mm-hmm. And then doing biking a lot be- for these triathlons. But at that point, you're just training, like just road miles. Well, I mean, it's Xterra, yeah. so you're, yeah. so it is like off-road, mountain but, bike miles, yeah. but it wasn't really that serious mountain sure. bike. Um, and then I kind of moved into, uh, uh, high school and there was a big Nike team at my school. I think, uh, at Evergreen high school we had, or we have one of the, one of the biggest in the state still. Which about, is hilarious because Evergreen is not that big no, as a town. <laughs> no, exactly. But we've got a team of 60 people or 60, 60 riders. And Holy I think cow. there's some other schools that, uh are bigger than us but we're yeah. pretty big that's enormous a, a school of our size it's a pretty and, dominant force too i mean there's like 200 people in that whole town so <laughs> not it's, really it's 12, but yeah 000. Oh, okay is yeah. it now Twelve thousand. all right i think so yeah, yeah. No. they're hiding in the hills yeah twelve thousand. all right yeah so um, anyhow 60 riders big yeah, program yeah big <laughs> program freshman year i got started i uh um my first race i think i like i didn't know how to do a start but made it through just powered yeah. through i think it was in it was in frisco actually and uh i got in a podium and i was like oh this was really fun i'm gonna keep doing this and um from then on i did all the nike races freshman year and then going into sophomore year i kind of realized i was like oh how do i do this biking thing more seriously i did some of these uh state or the front range usa cycling races uh, no UCI stuff at that point or national level stuff. And then I saw nationals happening, or I actually went to a, a, a camp at the Fort Lewis College. Mm, yeah. Um, and that was a great experience that 
I met a lot of people there that I'm still friends with. Um, and it really showed me uh, a great fun side of mountain biking. And then sophomore year of um, racing, I um, had the same thing. They actually, I won my first, or they put me in JV category. Mm -hmm. I won that race by seven minutes by Ooh. accident. <laughs> by accident. Then, but yeah, wait, how do you win by accident? I, I thought there was someone else coming up behind me the whole time that I, <laughs> I thought they were catching up to me. I just couldn't see them. So I just kept going harder and harder and harder. Then I came through in you know, seven minutes and they kicked me out of that category and into varsity. <laughs> so I then got forced into racing Riley, uh, Kobe Freeburn, a bunch of other people who are now racing at the national level too. Um, and then I realized after that, after that sophomore year, oh, maybe I should do these national level races. And that's kind of how I got started on the 2019 season where I started racing national level races, came to the USA Cycling Talent ID camp, which was great. Um, and then got second at nationals and then went to Worlds uh, as the first year racing uh, the national level. Right on. Yeah. It was and kind of pretty short, but not. Totally yeah, unexplainable. I mean, no, it's just straight to the top, basically. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so this wasn't a like brewing dream for a while for you. You just kind of fell into it, and you saw, well, what's possible? Yeah, just keep going. It it wasn't you no, know, it wasn't really something I was sitting on a whole lot, or even would have imagined myself doing at the end of my sophomore year of high school. Um, I'd like by that point, I think I'd done a few UCI races, gotten a few points, and was like, okay. This is something pretty fun. I enjoy going to these races. It wasn't as great as it is now then. Um, I was doing it pretty much all by myself, but um, I took on that pathway. And then at the end of 2019, after Worlds and everything, I got in, on the Bear national team. And that's mm -hmm. kind of where it's really taken off from. Yeah. So if it wasn't cycling as much, what, what were your passions growing up? Yeah. Before biking, I was doing a lot of swimming. Um, that was kind of my sport. Um, it was fun. I definitely did not enjoy it as, as much as I enjoy biking right now. Um, and then that kind of progressed in triathlons or off-road triathlons, um, which might have been something I kind of kept up if biking hadn't really been uh, so much fun and taken up so much time. And you say that pretty casually, like, oh, yeah, I was doing off-road triathlons, but... Xterra world champ. Yes. Tell us about um, that. Yeah, that was in uh, end of 2019. Um, this was after I'd gone to Worlds for mountain biking. Um, and this is, I think this, this was my third time uh, competing at the world championships. Um, my first time, I was pretty out of the, out of the water. Um, I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, second time, I had gotten third on the podium and then this most recent time in 2019 i uh um yeah i won the race um i think i was fourth amateur um i think my biking was pretty much the strong suit it carried <laughs> that, me was, that was my next question <laughs> i was gonna say because usually there's you're you're saying yeah i didn't know what i was doing and then your podium like I, level riding i did not have the running skills to be there um i could i could still swim pretty well by that point um 
the other years I was really quick out of the water, mm -hmm. super efficient there. Finally, you're pretty slow out of the water. wasn't great. Biking, I think I was the first amateur back, and then I just lost it all in the running. It's all in the running <laughs> and triathlon, and that's not what I like. So, uh, so your game of, is stay alive in the water, just obliterate everyone on the bike, and then just hang on for dear life. It's, it's a little bit more than staying alive. I, <laughs> okay. I definitely say I'm, I'm not a sinker. I'm not a. I'm not sinking. Okay, there means. you go. Um. I do enjoy riding the waves in. That was definitely some of the highlight. And there you go. Um, but um, crushing the bike then and then trying not to walk the run. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you did something well in all that. It, it worked out eventually. Yeah. 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 So what, uh, what was home life like? I saw one brief interview that you did with Josiah Middow. He was your coach, right? Through the Xterra time. Uh, his brother, oh. Yarrow Minaw was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Well, in, in a little blurb on, on his website, I saw that you grew up with two parents, two sisters, two dogs, and two tortoises. Yes. Um, that's actually expanded to three dogs now. Oh. Um, and we still have the two tortoises. Um, and yeah, uh, we moved from Chicago when I was 11 and we've been in Evergreen, Colorado, outside of Denver pretty much ever since then and i'm forever grateful that we moved to colorado it's been great um yeah i don't i would have been nothing like this if i hadn't been here been exposed to mountain biking no you would have been me and that's the problem because i came from illinois as well but i didn't get here till i was 23 and i'm not on any podiums ever because i didn't there you know there's, there's no mountain there's, biking yeah, back there no they, there seems to be something in colorado all the best people yeah coming from here it's yeah. kind of crazy yeah i mean there's a gravel scene back there now but yeah nah, it's not the same it's not the same no and no. i'm personally thankful for you to represent the front range because all those people in durango just <laughs> yeah yeah there needs to be a little bit something from the from the front range that's no, right i mean there's something in the water I'll out there in the fort durango lewis i don't know too. what it is but there definitely is <laughs> definitely even i don't i don't get it quite enough when i go there for a week it's it's a little bit more long-term. Yeah, yeah, I think you gotta, you gotta hang out You gotta there. live there. I don't know what it is. Whole time. So has, has cycling been a family affair for you? Yeah. Um, when we moved here, my dad started mountain biking too. Um, before then, he'd been doing road biking when we lived in uh, the Chicago area. Um, but then, yeah, uh, I took it up then kind of after my dad. They put me in mountain biking lessons, which... I don't know, was just, was just a thing to go out and do with, uh, make friends with when I moved here. Um, and then the high school team started. My mom really got into it. She's actually now the head of our high school team, um, manages a lot of it. Um, and then my sister do it too a little bit. So it really kind of is a family thing. Um, everyone really likes it a lot and everyone doesn't. Yeah. We're, uh, we're your dogs, trail dogs too. No, oh. no, no trail not. tortoises. No trail tortoises either. <laughs> um, yeah, no, a little too little too slow, and the dogs uh, not quite enough energy for that. They oh. they get a little too tired. I see. Yeah. Well, I would get a little too tired riding with you too. <laughs> well, we know that because you had the camp to prove it. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun time. The first day I was with your group, and then the rest of the days I just drifted back down. Yeah, I heard about that because Josh was all fired up ahead of time. He's like, oh, yeah, 
going to do this camp. It's going to be really great. And then after day one, I was like, how's it going? He's like, they're really fast. It's okay. And after like day three or four is like, I'm dying. This is, this is terrible. And every day they show up all excited and happy and ready to go like puppies. Yeah. That camp, that was, that's still one of the highlights of my time mountain biking. I've made a lot of friends through that camp and I still see them at the races. Um, and it was great riding with all those people. You for the first day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, just, I mean, it opened up uh, to me an idea of what I need to do and what I need to change and what's the pathway forward, I guess. Yeah. Kind of. Well, it should be returning this summer. There's That's what I've heard. Hopes. I am excited to hear that. It is definitely a great thing. Yeah, um, after a couple summers away. So one of the questions I'd love to ask is, with any athlete who rises to a national or international level pretty early, one of the questions is... You know, what is the point when it got real serious and suddenly you're not just relying on natural talent, but you got to get serious about your training, your scheduling, and you have to make that call of my life for the next while could look very different than my peers because you don't have the time to just goof around like anybody else in high school. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing you've hit that point. Mm -hmm. When did that occur? Yeah. Um, I'd say that kind of occurred maybe around uh, kind of start of 2020, start of 2021, like mm -hmm. 2020, I wouldn't and say you could write it off, but yeah. you know, I didn't have a ton of racing. I was still training, but for the hope that races would come back and they came back for Pikes Peak, but that was about it. Um, and so I wasn't, it wouldn't take up too much time then. I still had time to hang out with people or a lot more time than I do now then. But 2021, I really kind of had to sit down um, and decide what I wanted to do. Um, I finished up high school online. Like they were offering me to do normal classes with COVID. Yeah. Still online, which worked out well. But um, I kind of decided to stay online, which eh, wasn't great. It's kind of much more nicer to be in person. Mm -hmm. You learn a lot better. I was traveling all over the summer. And, you know, you just don't have as much time. It's, it kind of sucks. But then also you get to see your friends at races still. It's still not, the, it's, it's not a horrible trade-off. It's really it's, it's one it's of just the, one thing for another. <clears throat> That's one of the things I think both Riley and Braden mentioned too, is that you sort of, rather than removing yourself from all friends, you're just basically trading one life for another. And though it may not be as wide of a social circle, it's a really tight one and yeah. very tightly knit. Yeah. Everyone's super tight in the mm -hmm. race community everyone's friends it's it's great and then at the end of 2021 with uh worlds i had to decide if i was going to start college or go to worlds and uh decided to go to worlds instead and just delayed a semester and start later so i mean i've had to make those kind of decisions yeah and i don't really i don't regret it's not it's worth it yeah i'd say well you've you've lived a lot of life already and and there's Plenty more to come. Exactly. Yeah. Might as well take advantage of that stuff while I can. Exactly. <clears throat> and so I'm guessing that's kind of the way the future looks, at least for the next foreseeable number of years, is that training load, that intensity is probably only going to increase, correct? Yeah. It's, it's definitely going to be something to learn to balance. Because did you come back from Worlds with a sense of like, okay, now it's time to get serious. Yes. For real. 
yes, 2021 kind of showed me, okay, this is going to work out. I have the ability to make this work out as a career. I still want to look into other options of careers, but I'm going for biking until I can't. I'm pretty determined to make it work. And I mean, I don't want to be stuck in it forever. I'm, I'm going to college. I don't think I will be stuck in it forever if I didn't go to college, but I'm looking at other options too, things I can do after I finish my career mountain biking. So yeah, there's kind of a moment of, oh, this will work out. I, it was, it still hasn't really hit. That was going to be the next question. Yeah. Like, is that sinking in that you're getting to do that? You've got a shot at what most other people who are going to sl- like sling a leg over bike are only going to dream about. No, it, it really, there's times where it hits me where I'm like, Oh, I'm about to stop doing school and go to a bunch of races for two weeks or so. Not a lot, whole, not a whole lot of people get to do this. I have to sit on that for a moment, but you know, and then I have to come back and do school for, and focus on that and not get too lost and worrying about the future, I guess, or. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot to balance and it's, it's been fun. You, you chose to go to Colorado college here, here in the Springs, our home. And and they have a, a pretty unique scheduling for their classes. So it's, isn't it, like two and a half, three weeks. Yeah. So it's, it's three and a half weeks, one class at a time. And so you've got three weeks of really kind of intense content, getting everything that in that you'd usually get in a semester into uh 21 or 15 days of class, three hours a day, more or less with obviously the associated homework and reading after. Um, and then you've kind of got three days where not quite finals on those last three days, but the last day is almost always like a written final, some test, something like that. Mm-hmm. But it also makes for a great trade-off where I've done two of those blocks, they call it, and then now I'm taking the rest of the semester off to go to races and uh, continue pursuing that career too. Yeah, it makes it for seem, a great Seems like they've been system. great about working with you to kind of pick up and leave off where you need to in order to pursue your world stage yeah no it's it's been a great fit in that sense um i was pretty thankful i went to my advisor explained the situation and they were just like that's awesome go do it we'll make this work it's a lot less stressful than it seems yeah and then i'll be back in the fall for to continue on life is just kind of fit into little training blocks of your class and your training block and (laughs) exactly lines up perfectly too three and a half weeks perfect size for a training block that's right yeah wow do you do you have an idea of what you want to study there yet no um not a ton i had these two kind of they call it like your first year program or your freshman year program Mm -hmm. they're kind of just two classes that are tied together which are like meant to introduce you to the block program the school the expectations the first one i did was kind of a psychology class um which was super interesting and then now I'm in a political philosophy class, which is very hard and a lot of reading, a lot of very dense reading. So I'm a shy away from that now. Okay. <laughs> Seems like a pretty unique time to be in a political class of any kind. Yeah. We're just reading uh, John Locke's oh, On yeah. Two Treaties, which is, it's great reading. Very, oh, yeah. 
Just riveting. Riveting. Provides a lot of content for those six to eight page essays. Yep. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. So you can kind of check that box. Exactly. And move I've, on. I've put my foot in that pond and I know it's going to be horrible to do. So I might avoid it. <laughs> well, I was a political science major. Oh, so my. at the end you of know, it all, yeah. You, you can vouch for it might be. I can vouch that not everybody wants to do that. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I can also vouch that the six to eight page papers are fine. It's when they tell you you only get to write one. That's when things get evil. Yeah. Um, or three in three weeks. Yeah. Same. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Either way, it's still bad. Well, you have plenty of time to, to find the field that you really enjoy. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, that first psychology class that kind of opened up that pathway. I thought that would be kind of cool. I recently started working with a sports psychologist too and i kind of thought oh maybe that could be a, a decent career pathway for after sports um be a little bit different than going uh the career pathway of a coach or something like that um because i think that's another thing that i'd be interested in sports science programs mm -hmm. yeah uh that's kind of that's kind of those two are kind of clear pathways now but i'm gonna look around a little bit more explore a little bit i don't have to declare a major for uh another semester and a half Okay. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Ride that train as far as you can. They say something like 90% of college students change their major anyway. So, you know, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. why declare it early? Yeah. No reason. Especially when you got something else to occupy your time. Exactly. That too. Yeah. So back to that, there's something that I was kind of curious about. Um, some of the other racers, guys we've had on the show, guys like Nick Gould and some others who were just beginning to get into racing and sort of step up in the level of seriousness when they got into college. Most of those guys, a little older now, closer to my age, uh, or even a little older, they all talk about how, at the time, it was a much different game. Like, people were just kind of going to races, and maybe you'd get picked up by somebody who would kind of take you under their wing and tell you how it is, but usually it was just a lot of getting your butt handed to you because you didn't know what it was and you just signed up for a random race. And then that level of expectation would suddenly become apparent that no one had told you before. It sounds like though, from what I've heard that your path and just cycling in general has changed quite a bit now in that from almost day one, you've had a long string of individuals ready and willing to invest in the teams that you were on. And even in you personally, would you say that's accurate? Yeah. Um, my parents first mm -hmm. off started taking me to all these great races and were willing to help me figure out this pathway that I needed to get on. And then end of 2019, I got, uh, a, I got to be a part of Bear National Team. And that's really been, I think that I couldn't have done any of this without them. Um, yeah. Tell me a little started, more about that team. Like what that's been like. So... The first thing I did with them is they were like, oh, we can tell that your skills are a little bit lacking, which they were at that time. Um, and they sent me to skills camp and they just got me started on the pathway to improving that, fixing that weakness. I met friends at the skills camp. Then the next year they started taking me to races. Granted, that was COVID year, but we got in a race in Puerto Rico, a short track in California. Mm -hmm. Then everything hit bad. Yeah, And then all of 2021, taking me to the right races, getting me there, giving me the support I need to know what, so I can get what I need, know needs to be get, needs to get done. Yeah. Um, 
and then giving me the advice when I need it and the pathway when I need it and what's the next steps. Um, it's, it's really just career make or break. Yeah. And it's, it's proven successful. Yes. And that team has produced some incredible athletes, yourself included, and continues to. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. Braden Riley brought her up, but Julia uh, Violich makes it work. Uh, she just makes the team work. It's amazing how much actually gets done and how many people we're able to work on, work with, mm-hmm. uh, help out. I think this year we've got 45 riders, um, ranging from 15 all the way to 23 or 22, um, which is just amazing that we're able to help out all those people and help open a career in mountain biking for all of them. It's really cool to see that team draws people from all over the States as well. Mm -hmm. And you get to go to camps together and and Mm -hmm. do training and make friends all over. I just see when, when your crew shows up at races, it's, it's contagious. Like all of your enthusiasm for, Mm -hmm. for jumping into everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we really have a great environment, try and share it with everyone, the spirit. And I think it makes the races a lot more fun. That's something I'd encourage everyone to do. Mm-hmm. is go to your those races with your friends it's not great being a solo mountain biker i think i kind of got stuck in that my first year mountain biking at the kind of the national level i i wouldn't have kept doing it if i didn't have friends at the races um if it, i would have lost sight they would have been kind of too monotonous too drudgery but when you go to your race go to a race with your friends turn turn it into a road trip mm-hmm enjoy it the process mm-hmm. it becomes great you train with friends training becomes way more fun way more enjoyable um, and i think that's something that some people need to realize and probably adjust and it helps a lot fight against burnout mm-hmm. and when you've got that much time at races and on the road with your friends it's not all serious racing so i'm sure there's probably been some shenanigans that have occurred at some points along the way Yes. Anything, anything we need to hear about? I did. I told you before that I probably had a story that would beat Riley's. Yeah. <laughs> this was actually between weekends of a Nike race out training with a friend. Uh-huh. We were up in uh, Summit County. Uh, we had just ridden an Eagle. We were, his brothers too were also riding who were like a couple years younger than us. So they were like, oh, we're tired. We want to go home. And so his dad started driving us home. And, but then we got to the top of Vail Pass. And so there's the Copper Triangle route, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a good 25 miles, but like 6,000 feet of elevation, something ridiculous like that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, early in the day, we discussed doing that. So we get to the top of Vail Pass. We're like, oh, it's 25 miles. We can do that, especially because we're already at the top of Vail Pass. And it's only three. Yeah. Right? How there's bad could hours, it be? There's four hours left in the day. So we, from the top of Vail Pass, it's like a animal game track uh, up to um, another pass. I can't remember the name of. We go down that, you end up in Camp Hale. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got, I believe, it, and it is horrible. It's, it's like 15% grades, just almost guaranteed hike of bikes at some points. Your heart rate is so high because it's almost like 12,000 feet. 
you feel horrible. And so my buddy, we hit this pass or we hit the second pass. My buddy starts bonking and then we get to the top of the pass and it's seven, which Ooh. is sunset. And yeah. so we get cell service up there and we hadn't checked the time previously, but we get to the top at seven, we realize it's sunsetting. We give our parents a call and they're like, you guys are really stupid. You guys got to get out of there. And I'm looking on my map and I see there's a cabin, like one of the 10th Mountain Division's cabins. Yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, I think it might be Janet's cabin. Um, and that's kind of like back behind Copper Mountain. Sure. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, oh, maybe we can spend the night in there if it's unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> Surely someone would leave a cabin unlocked in the woods. Yeah. So uh, we go about, we have to like traverse five miles to get there in the decreasing light. And it starts mm -hmm. getting getting freezing cold, and we only have short sleeve jerseys and uh, biking shorts on, so it gets freezing. Um, but eventually, we make it to the cabin. We see those lights on, mm -hmm. and two people were in there, and they let us in, and they were there by random chance. There wasn't guaranteed people there or guaranteed oh, that no. it'd be open, and. Uh, they were super nice and they let us sleep in there. They were like just making sure that everything was set for the winter season and people started skiing into there. Mm -hmm. And so it was almost pitch black by the time we got there and we still would have had to ride down uh, like 10 miles mm -hmm. back to copper and even to get picked up. So we managed to crash there for the night and not have to walk 10 miles out. Cool. <laughs> So wait, did you have signal there? Were you able to tell your parents or are they now wondering what they happened had to signal. you? Oh, okay. we had signal, thankfully. Okay, that, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was close to being really bad. Yeah. 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 Cause that descent, I mean, that's the Colorado trail. Yeah. That's right there. That's the Colorado trail. It's, I, it's pretty legit. I know. From it's not <laughs> something you can just casually ride down in the dark. Yeah. Getting, getting up to that range that you have to traverse. And where Jan's cabin is, that I mean, the descent back to Copper, that that's pretty gnarly stuff. And it's very uh, kind of messy trail in different areas with a lot of ups and downs and whoops and roots and rocks. And yeah, it's a good, good thing you were able to <laughs> crash in the cabin. Yeah. Then in the morning, we froze our butt off riding down that and then got picked up in Copper. Nice. So did you guys some, discuss scolding? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you guys discuss what would happen if there had not been people there? Were you going to be like putting a rock through a window or? No, we hadn't thought that far. Uh, that hadn't <laughs> occurred mean, to us that the cabin could have been shut down and locked up. I mean, thinking ahead doesn't seem to be a hallmark of the story in general. No, but no, no, there was no premeditation. It was oh, we can do twenty-five miles in four hours, no matter the elevation gain. <laughs> yeah. And I'm guessing no lights. No lights. No survival gear of any kind. No survival gear. One bottle apiece. Um, yes. <laughs> I had one bottle. I think my friend had two. Okay. It was, it was not very great. And then barely, uh, we, we slept under fitted sheets at the cabin. <laughs> there weren't even sheets in front of the fireplace too. Wow. That we had to add to at night. Oh my gosh. And uh, any food? Did they have anything extra? The other two people who thankfully, were there? I, thankfully, they lent us a muffin that night. <laughs> and then we, they lent us a pancake too in the morning. A muffin. Oh. Yes. And a pancake. Yes. Each? Or are you guys yeah. going well, splitsies they, they on that? They backpacked in. Yeah, yeah. So they didn't have much. They didn't have anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They were there for a few days. Didn't have a whole lot they could spare. 
So I fully understand that, but. Huh. So did you guys just go find like the nearest golden corral or whatever when you got down to yeah. fix that? <laughs> yeah. We ate a lot of food once we got down, you know, some good, uh, Copper Mountain, uh, ski resort food yeah. from the dining hall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It makes you really appreciate the food more when you, when you go without oh, it for yeah. a while. Oh yeah. That was some really good food for the next probably 24 hours. I am curious that climb from Camp Hale, I pushed my bike up pretty much that whole thing. Did you actually ride some of that? I went back and rode it this year again, uh-huh. with not in a time crunch. Um, and I think there's about a, a decent amount. There's like a couple key sections where you, you got to walk, mm. where it's, it's tricky. It is super steep. Yeah. Were you, were you weighed down with bikepacking yeah. gear? Yeah. yeah, that's your issue. Oh, <laughs> thank you. This thank was you coming for up from the... <laughs> I've, I've done that too. That, that makes everything different. Uh-huh. It's, that's a cool experience on bikes though. That's, that's the only excuse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a valid excuse. Um, I've had that experience too with uh, bikepacking bikes where uh, you're like, oh, we can do 15 miles in an hour. Then you're seven and a half miles in and you realize, oh, no. we're at an hour and a half. Yeah. No, we can't. <laughs> it's not going to yes, happen. Everything takes longer. So with bikepacking mm-hmm. uh, on the table, that it's a good segue. Yeah. Let's talk about distance. Uh, one of the things that makes UCI competition interesting is that it is a very finite amount of time or amount of distance or number of laps mm-hmm. for any of those races. And yet we have you at fifth in the, t- or fifth in the Firecracker 50 and sixth place in Telluride 100. Seventh, actually, I think. Seventh? Oh, uh, we we're going to give you one more, I guess. <laughs> seventh <laughs> it is. Um, top 10 anyway and stuff like that. And obviously your slightly ridiculous second place at the apex, your first time trying that one, which is a relatively long race as mountain bike races go. Although some people call it a gravel race. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Micah. Anyway, um, where's that stand for you? As you look ahead at cycling, like, do you, are you drawn to some of these longer distances and suffer fest kind of things? Or are you, do you dig on the fact that those UCI races, you know what you're walking into when you show up. You know, I, I definitely enjoy the longer stuff. Mm-hmm. The Telluride 100, that was an experience. That was really hard. That was like, I think it took me seven and a half hours and the winning time was six and a half. Ooh. Mm. Keegan, Keegan Swenson won in, in six and a half and I was still out there for an extra hour. Um, that was really rough. I don't, I don't know if I'll do another hundred miler for at least a year. Was that the year of the storm? No. No, okay. thankfully, um, <laughs> that was not. That's when you know it's bad. or that was not 2020. This that was 2021 last year where I did it. Okay, and I beat the storm in. There was a still storm that came in like 30 minutes after I finished. Good. So yeah, that that looked miserable that year. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, Breck Epic or not Breck Epic, but sorry, Firecracker 50. That mm-hmm. was a great race. That di- that distance, 50 miles, three yeah. and a half hours. That's a great distance that i really like um and that's kind of similar to some of the pikes peak mm-hmm. uh, distances i really like that distance of race that kind of one big loop or two big loops it's really fun great trails kind of switched up a little bit you're not riding seven laps of the same course yeah but cross-country olympic that's where i want to be right now yeah mm-hmm. i do enjoy it the most i think i don't have the quite the engine for uh anything over two hours quite yet i was gonna probably come in time but (laughs) yeah what at what point do you get tired 
Is it that two-hour mark? <laughs> Josh wants to know. Inquiring <laughs> yeah, minds. I haven't discovered that. Asking yet. for a friend. It's it's about three hours, and then it's for an hour, and then after that, it's kind of just sporadic. It, it'll work. It'll pretty much work for a while after four hours, okay. <laughs> but painfully. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pain cave. So at this point, what would you say is the race or ride uh, that you have gone the furthest into the pain cave where you're just in a you're just in a bad bad place and you know the finish line is a long way off mm. so after pike's peak of this year mm -hmm. that was an experience i i actually got sick for it during it and the second day i pretty much just got lost missed a couple turns accidentally cut the course felt sick and um that was that was kind of painful but you know moved on from that mentally painful i after that i went to the epic rides honest trails in arkansas mm -hmm. and i was like okay last race of the season this will be great i get in three miles and my shifter battery dies not oh, the wow. one on my derailleur the one in the actual shifter on my bars uh -huh. oh the one you can't just swap yes. from your saddle or something yes. else on the bike oh no it was just I got stuck right at the bottom of a hill in my 10 tooth gear. And I'm like, oh no, why won't I shift? And so I could shift from my uh, derailleur. Yeah. And then I get back to the finish line. I'm like, oh, I'm not dropping out of the race. I'm just going to do the whole thing, single mm -hmm. speed it, and kind of, and like, you know, I can get off and change the gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I do that. It's fun. I get back. <laughs> the euphemistic fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have a great picture of me just dust all over my face eating mcdonald's right after oh being totally painful <laughs> and then i'm talking to our manager and he's like yeah i told you that battery was about to die right before the race and you told me oh i was you told me you were going to charge it oh. and yeah i had completely missed the ball on that that was pretty mentally painful to realize that all that suffering you had done to yourself yes i had all done it to myself <laughs> We all so, need those experiences sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 47 miles single speeding was not great. In your 10 tooth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, you I get got out of my there. 10 tooth. I, okay, I moved there we it go. to like a 34, 8, 16. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, a decent ratio, but. There's that fancy button on the. Yeah. The there's axis. the button where you can, yeah. if you don't know, you can double tap it uh -huh. and that'll shift it up. Or if you tap it once, it'll shift it down. So you can actually get back there and physically shift it. Yes. Yes. Um, I would not rec recommend trying it while you're riding, though. It's a good way to lose a finger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, just for anyone's reference, uh, it's a great lifesaver. And then physically painful might have been two weekends ago in uh, our second race in Puerto Rico. Um, we got in about to the fourth lap of six, mm -hmm. and the heat finally got, heat and humidity finally got to me, and it was just mm. miserable. I had like moved up fine. I was sitting around like 14th or 13th and I just, it just hurts so bad. <laughs> Every time I'd get up out of the saddle, my legs would start screaming, but mm. it paid off in the end. I, I think I, I finished 15th and mm. uh, yeah, but it was, it was painful. It's the most painful one I remember recently. Oh, a little, a little good suffering in there yeah. on occasion. <laughs> yeah the right kind of suffering never hurts exactly. in the long run type two fun well you you mentioned a little earlier that riding with a team with your friends mm -hmm. is one of the ways that you stay motivated mm -hmm. 
when when you don't have people close by to help push you, how how do you stay motivated, especially through these winter months where our trails are less than ideal? Yeah. I mean, I still get out for road rides occasionally, and generally when I'm road riding, I'll meet up with someone, but Mm -hmm. when I'm on my own, listening to music's a big one for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Just trying not to be lost in my own thoughts, (laughs) questioning uh, why I'm doing (laughs) Life choices. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. questioning why I'm doing a 20-minute sub-threshold interval. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So just trying to get through that, and then, you know, trying to... I always enjoy uh, connecting big routes. exploring new areas that was one of the big things i was excited i was excited for with coming here mm-hmm. i do enjoy a good descent you know always gotta work towards the payoff um but that sometimes gets a little rough in winter a little too wet and cold but you know looking forward to the races knowing it'll pay off that's kind of what keeps me mm-hmm. going now, when you end up back here in the fall we'll have to show you some of our longer silly yeah. routes yeah. put oh, together I'm, I'm, I'm gonna need some <laughs> all right we can make that happen great so speaking of silly routes one of the questions we like to ask silly or strange encounters on the bike anybody who spends as much time as you probably do out and about there's usually going to be something you run across that's just a little bit nuts we've had bears we've had emus all kinds of ridiculous encounters with creepy people cabins Cabins, yeah, cabins, like that, cabins. That, yeah. that fits in there pretty well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then turns out that guy was actually a ski coach of my friend, but they didn't make that connection until after that. Oh, yeah. Uh, you might have got another muffin out of that. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great to know in the moment, but, uh-huh. you know, I guess it, how it is. You know, I've had a good couple dog attacks while I'm riding. Um, Ooh, actual dogs. attacks. Yeah. Like they landed a good bite? One has before. Oh, they always go for the feet. Right. That's yeah. the thing. So yeah, you, yeah. you got to have stiff biking shoes mm-hmm. and that always pays off well. <laughs> it was actually at an Xterra in Costa Rica. They had one right along the course mm-hmm. and there was a hole in the fence and it just came after uh, me and my dad while we were pre-riding and oh, no. we just had to book it. That, that's probably been one of the scariest things that I've had to do on a bike. I haven't had that many otherwise creepy encounters. There's been a couple of times where I've realized... I'm really far out in the woods and uh, just stop and hear the si- silence and you're like, oh, God. yeah, <laughs> it's a long way home. Not, nothing too crazy else beyond that. Uh, that's yeah. all right. Well, pretty, you pretty got standard. Standard. Pretty yeah. standard. Yeah. Ever heard a big cat purring there in the woods? <laughs> no, I have had a couple of uh, scares with deers though. Oh, yes. Or, uh, yeah. Same color. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Same color. Same color, same size. <laughs> Both have creepy glowing eyes at night. Yes. Oh, okay. Actually. That reminds me. I was doing night rides with some friends pretty frequently, and uh, we were messing around riding off a rock. Then one of us hears something in a tree, and the other one we go to the other. He goes to us. You guys hear that in the tree? And then we start shining our lights up in the trees, looking around. We hear it again. We just book it. (laughs) (laughs) You just gone. Where are we gone? There was no way we were staying around. (laughs) The the ride was done after that. Uh Yeah, and I. Go ahead. And actually that happened again another time where uh, we were doing a rock slab. We got to a bottom. I wasn't paying attention. I looked behind at my friends doing the rock slab. And then one of them comes down is absolutely terrified. And behind me, they just see eye glow. And we all shine our lights and it's just a deer though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that eye glow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
definitely night rides. Those are definitely kind of the, where those I situations happen. There are many, many a rider <clears throat> here in the Rockies who has had that experience of being out at night and all of a sudden seeing one pair of eyes and praying to any deity that may or may not exist that you see more sets of eyes real soon. Exactly. Because mm. <laughs> the mountain lions don't come in groups, but thankfully the deer do. Yes. The only way that it'll, you'll, it'll tell you quick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, how about uh, some best day, worst day experiences? Yeah. Any good options out there? Best day. I'd say my, my world championships race of 2021 that's might go up there for best day i was gonna say that'd be pretty hard to beat otherwise mm-hmm. yeah that was a really great race lots of fun mm-hmm. my my dad was there watching me a lot of other mm-hmm. family friends um uh friends were there cheering me on who had raced in the junior race it was a great race one of the some of the more fun racing i've done i think that would go on, out for best day worst day hmm. it might have been the second day of the pike's peak race where oh. uh i yeah i saw you at one point that day just because i was there you know course volunteer yeah, whatever's yeah, yeah. around the race and you didn't really look alive no i i had something going on it it wasn't strep it wasn't covid it wasn't mm-hmm. any mm-hmm. of that doctors were like oh you, you've got something <laughs> congratulations, congratulations on something yeah i remember i Get was better. confused because when i crossed the finish line you were still there which <laughs> should, should have been long gone. Yeah. You should be off eating a burger by then. Yeah. yeah. I had like slept horribly the night before. The time trial felt horrible. Um, I didn't, I didn't do horribly. I think I got ninth maybe or something like that, but heart rate felt horrible. I got back to the hotel that we were staying in after the time trial. Mm-hmm. Could barely eat, just could not swallow, could barely drink. I'm like, maybe this, this is just whatever. It's temporary. It'll go away. And then I line up the next day. We get going. We start putting on down the power on the front of that new climb on stage mm-hmm. two. Uh-huh. And I just feel horrible. Like, I can't sip water. I can't drink. Didn't eat breakfast that morning. Um, and I'm, I'm, I normally have no eating issues, but it was just, just horrible. Not happened, yeah. yeah, I couldn't, it's hurt to swallow. And I just go backwards. I try and hang out for a second with some other people and then i'm like nope this is too much just go backwards and backwards and then eventually i get to a road intersection at this point I'd, I'd probably missed a course sign i don't i wasn't really paying too much attention i was supposed to go left when i but then i went right and i cut out a whole lollipop section <laughs> and then i get to a, a the aid station and someone goes, Robbie, did you get lost? I'm like, no, I just got lost in life. I don't know why I'm here right now. And I keep going through, <laughs> bombing down a fire road. And I'm go- like three miles in down this fire road bomb. And I realize, oh, wait, I just cut out a lollipop section of the course. <laughs> and I start turning around. I see the aid motorcycles. They're like, oh, you can't make backwards progress. I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to the aid station and tell them, hey, I'm probably dropping out. I cut, I cut the course. <laughs> <laughs> and then cheer some people on along the way and then um i turn around i just i get to the aid station feel horrible have a couple uh snacks there and just keep going down and i just feel so discombobulated just mm-hmm. horrendous eventually i get to the point where uh i'm just on course doing the just doing it as a ride trying to make yeah. it through trying to make it to the finish and then i get back to town 
Braden Riley hadn't hurt who I was with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were all staying together. We get back to the, I get back to the start town, I think monument. Yeah. And they had no idea where I was for the past two hours that they had already been finished. Oh my gosh. Or maybe it wasn't two hours. It might've been an hour, but I was running all over trying to find my way back. I had no idea how to get back from the finish to the town. Ugh. And then I found them at a restaurant and still could barely eat. Then I, I didn't start the next day and I left and went home. Do you think uh, some redemption might be in the books this next year? Yes. Hopefully. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah, maybe I'll even count as a local by then. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think <laughs> we can give that to you. Yeah. Okay. You, yeah. you got some time. Yeah. <laughs> Learn all the tracks a little bit extra. A little bit. Yeah. Well, is there anything that sticks out to you as uh, a life, life lesson that you've gleaned from your time in the cycling world? You know, it would definitely be just putting in work. It'll, it will get you somewhere. I was big, you know, swimming. I think it put a, a decent, a good work ethic in me. I would show up to practice, do all the, the swimming sets, all the laps, all the kind of swimming intervals. But then biking, it totally changed because I, I wasn't doing those intervals and stuff with people, but I just kept up the hard work. And it's gotten me somewhere. And I don't think it, your hard work won't go unnoticed. And someone will be there to help you eventually mm-hmm. may take some time it's not all sitting back to yourself and mm-hmm. hoping someone else will help you you've got to at a certain point step up for yourself but yeah if you put in the work it'll take you somewhere yeah well i only have one more question but jason do you have any? no well when you're not training like a madman <laughs> or writing papers that <laughs> that are stealing your, your soul at times. <laughs> what, what do you enjoy doing? That's a good question. <laughs> Not a whole lot of time for the, anything else right now. Um, I do, I do enjoy myself some good video games. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big into out, anything outdoors really. Mm-hmm. Um, but ironically video games and outdoors. Yeah. They can work together. They, yeah, they can. I, I feel um, you. Good complimentary set. Yeah. Yeah. You got something to do inside, something to do outside. Uh-huh. When you're recovering from the outside. <laughs> so, yeah, I would say I, I, I enjoy myself some camping, mm-hmm. anything on water. I'm pretty not opposed to. Yeah. Nothing super specific. That's great. Kind of whatever. Well, you, you definitely have a, a bright future ahead of you. And you are living a dream right now. Thanks. Hopefully uh, you get to pursue it to the extent that it will take you. I hope so too. It'll, it'll work out eventually, mm-hmm. one way or another. Yeah. Well, as we're sitting here at the middle of March, you got a whole season ahead of you. Yeah. Good luck this year. Thank you. I hope things go well. Thanks. We're looking forward to seeing your name at the top of many more leaderboards in the days, months, and weeks to come. I hope so too. It'll, it'll be up there at some point. Right on. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. Robbie, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. If you want to know more about Stand Up Pedal Action, you can check us out online at supa.bike. That's S-U-P-A dot B-I-K-E. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.